Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. The following interview was recorded in March 2022. Hello, everyone. We have here today our wonderful voices from Don't Mind Cruxmont. I am Travis Vengraff, the director and producer. Hello, I'm K.A. Stats. I am the writer of Don't Mind Cruxmont. Hi, I'm Adjua Ando, and I'm playing Gwen. Hi, I'm Daniel Demeron, and I'm playing Neil Mitchell. I'm David Alt, and I'm playing Roger Allhill. And I'm Gemma Moore, and I'm sort of helping out behind the scenes. We are so happy to have you all here. Uh, we wanted to ask a few questions because we don't normally record people all together in a studio. Uh, this is actually a first for us. So we wanted to ask how this experience was for you. Uh, what's your level of experience working with actors in person? This is not the norm, at least for us. Who sh- who's going to go? Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've clearly started talking. It'll be me then. Um, uh, well, I, I've, uh, I've been working on radio drama for people like the BBC since the 80s. So the idea of doing drama with people in a space for audio is not new. However, we've been living through a very unusual time. And so being able to do things together face to face, sort of flesh and blood in the same room has become a bit of a novelty. So it's a treat, really, to see other fleshy beings to do work with, as opposed to a disembodied voice. How dare you? (laughs) It's very streamlined, fleshy bodies, I would add. Yes, for for some of us, well, uh, doing the tours with no sleep and being on stage is a very different way of acting in the podcast scenario. But for me, I've been doing podcasting in my own room etc for 15 years or so now so it's really lovely to get back with real people inside a studio so yes it's it's been an absolute honor and a delight to be down here and it's a much different it's a different dynamic i think it is because podcasting in general especially because it's so accessible it is mostly people like us in their wardrobes Mm -hmm. with a with a blue yeti (laughs) (laughs) and a few towels over the door and Mm -hmm. then an awful lot of teach it yourself so this is the dynamics between people when they're in the room Mm -hmm. is lovely it makes the script sort of sparkle from a listener perspective definitely yeah it makes the emotion more uh, palpable like everything feels more real I've been only doing voice acting for like uh, seven years mostly with Travis and uh, Caitlin in fact they're like the reason why why I even got into the whole thing. But I've, I'll be quite honest. I've never done this before. Across from a Joa, wow, that's like, that's mind-blowing to me. And then, of course, I love I love David and, and Gemma. They're like, they're incredible. But like, this is a totally new experience for me. So never thought it would happen. And 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, I'll leave it at that. In London, nonetheless. Oh, yes, absolutely. In London, I'm this yank that, well, I'm actually a Canuck, but, you know, yank, can yank, whatever, whatever. It's the same thing. <laughs> North American. Yeah. So audio fiction, storytelling, is older than written history even. It's, it's a very ancient form of communication. But podcasting is fairly new, and do you feel that's changed the way that we can tell stories? I think certainly the, the there is a as Gemma mentioned there's a huge accessibility now with the quality of microphones and the accessibility of people doing the writing and the internet has brought communities together to be able to create audio drama and that has sort of steadily been been made more and more accessible over the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean podcasting isn't new. No. It's and I think that's important. I think I think we're in a phase now a bit of a golden age mm. of Storytelling in, in, a, in, a, in a, we can tell our stories mm-hmm. without many barriers. So I feel like, again, from a listener perspective, the stories that we're getting are so much more diverse mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people aren't coming up against as many of the traditional barriers. Because it certainly used to be that you would need to be in a studio like this and be commissioned by the BBC in this country to be able to yes. to be part of it. But that's why it's much nicer now that anyone can do it. Mm. Of course, that means that there's a whole load of podcasts out there yeah. for, for people to listen to. But uh, Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, well then, you know, when you get really great production, it leaves the door open to be taken even further, right? Because while this is an audio drama, because you can feel all the emotion and the foley that gets involved makes it feel even more real. That may draw people in to be like, ah, I want to see this on a screen. I actually want to see this happen. Um, And I think that's a really cool aspect of the audio drama. It, It opens the door for more exploration if someone finds interest in the story itself. So that's really exciting. Um, I think, um, you know, I'm from the I'm from the tradition of the BBC. I train radio drama actors, so I sort of feel like I don't feel like this is a different tradition. I think maybe it's more accessible. I think I mean we you do audio drama in a different way in a radio studio than you do when you're podcasting. So there are differences. But I think what I love about audio storytelling is, for me, it feels more filmic than say stage work or even TV work because it's um, it's from your lips to the listener's ear. Mm-hmm. And so the listener is the third component of the story in a way. You have the the imagination of the author, then you have the, the sonic creation, but then you have the imagination of the listener and that brings a whole rich dimension. And it's, it's incredibly intimate because we all have a unique imagination. So we are envisaging the story in a completely unique way. And I think there's something sort of gorgeous about that mm. Mm. Um, there's a richness that you you um, you open the door to with mm. audio drama mm. Mm. I feel like in a way as well it's a bit like when you read your favourite novel and you build up an image in your head of how that your, the characters mm. look and sound and feel mm. and then sometimes you see a movie adaptation and it's just nothing <laughs> like <laughs> how you <laughs> but, but, <then>, <laughs> but then sometimes it's just perfect and it's just so interesting how every single person who listens to a story can take something different away from yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I think you're always on a hiding to nothing with a, an adaptation of your favourite book. Yeah. <laughs> it's never going to live up to your imagination. Right. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've, yeah, I think TV's doing great things at the moment. It's yeah. uh, 
So I was uh, traditionally trained as an animator. So whenever I hear stuff like this, my brain just starts going through like, okay, what's that shot look like? Okay, because I mean, while animation is not necessarily, obviously not the same as like live action film, all the beats, shots, everything that you want to set up beforehand exactly the same. You need to imagine everything. You want to see the camera angles. So one of the things that I love about it is like, it's an exercise for me. I listen to the drama and I'm like, okay, what would we do here? What position do we want to put the camera here? Mm. Uh, Does that, you know, is it going to happen? No, but it's always a great exercise. It's just how I often look at most things. I like looking at them in terms of that sequential art uh, for film. I think that visualization is what you have to do in an auditory way when you're doing a drama. You know, it's like, what's the perspective? Where mm-hmm. are we in this picture? Mm-hmm. Uh, who are we with? Mm-hmm. What are we experiencing? How are they experiencing it? How does it reach us? So I sort of, I think it, it, it's, yeah, it's right that it would inspire you in that way because I think we, we have to pay attention to the same considerations when we're doing audios as we we would do if you were animating or doing a shot list for a, mm-hmm. an in-camera thing. 100%, yeah. And I think all the Foley helps with that as well. It's, um, oh, yeah. it's, it's very interesting hearing people panting and sleeping and running and stumbling and they're all brush strokes and uh, it's lovely watching people do it live. It's the colouring in, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And people bouncing off each other. It's Mm -hmm. been, from a back scenes point of view, watching you guys it was great. It's great fun. And watching the the physicality. Yeah. It's like at home, I'm just throwing my arms around. No one gets to see it. But then when I'm around people, I'm like, they start moving. And I'm like, okay. Especially, I will have to say it, Joe, I just kept taking cues from you. And I'd like glance up and be like, oh, I need to be, okay, I need to be more. Okay, I need to be more. Okay. Like, so that's, it was a lot of fun. It's going to really color the way I approach when I go to finish off my lines for at home. Because it's just like, honestly, you just working with you, these day and a half it's like really helped me quite a bit of getting out of the shell right because it's like super easy to be contained because I'm so used to being well not that contained whatever Uh, (laughs) uh, but but it's like watching you know a professional at work I'm like ah, okay I need to step up to meet that because it's your lines were incredible now I just want to be able to uh you know maybe be somewhere listen it's a (laughs) Daniel it's a a team effort you know yes that's the great thing about being in the same space it's it becomes a chemical exchange doesn't Mm -hmm. it that that we're you know we're 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 all sort of um traveling on the journey together and, Mm. and we all you know we all feed off each other, don't we, David? Absolutely, we do, yes. yes. <laughs> and now I never want to see any of you ever again. <laughs> I am full. That's enough. <laughs> and, and I just want to say everybody's been very lovely because we've had a rather old, arthritic, farting Labrador <laughs> in studio with us. That's my dog. I love her, but it's the truth. She's been wonderful for a Yeah, Sweet Millie. Every, every podcast needs a dog. I agree. <laughs> I think that one of the greatest tools we have as audio creators is we can rely so much on the theater of the mind, uh, be it horror or the creation of something, you know, not horrible, maybe wonderful, <laughs> or just the mystery and the feeling that whatever is going to embody that mystery the most uh, to the individual is already placed in their heads. All we're doing is supplying the audio to go along with it. Now, Travis, you have another question? Yes, I did. Uh, So working in television is certainly a style of acting. And for those who've maybe never done both, what is the difference working in audio drama, like in this sort of capacity, like emotionally or preparation wise, or maybe just, is there any difference to being in the moment from one to the other? 
Um, I think, well, as I say, I mean, I've been doing, I've been doing audio drama for, oh my God, nearly 40 years, help me. <laughs> um, and I grew up listening to, uh, my father is from West Africa and the World Service was huge over there. So I've always grown up listening to spoken word on the radio and I've listened to dramas. I, I can't remember a time when I haven't listened to radio drama even as a little kid, I used to listen. So I, I love that imaginative world. And as I say, it's, it's the intimacy of it. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm teaching, I will say to an actor who's doing audio work, none of your tricks are available. You can't do your comedy walk or the raised eyebrow or the little funny thing. You have to distill it all into your voice. So that means you, you have to sort of expand your mind into your voice and your heart into your voice and all your fears and your hopes and your desires and your sexiness and your wittiness and your anger and everything has to be in your voice. So you have to be quite particular and you just really have to think of the microphone as the listener's ear and everything is headed, you know, it's headed through the microphone into their imagination, through their ears and you have to you just have to be really focused. And I do a lot of audio books as well. So um, that's a, another sort of audio storytelling. It's almost like you have to channel the character and the situation and be entirely present with where they are emotionally and how you feel that's going to resonate with someone listening to it. You know, whether you want to be really intimate or whether you want to be sort of bombastic or everything in between. It, it's a real discipline and I really like it. I like the... The, f the restrictiveness of it that makes you just focus on on one skill. It was also a lot of fun going through the scripts with you all, almost sequentially, mm. almost. So in reading the scripts, did you find maybe before, during, after that you had a favorite character in the story of Don't Mind Cruxmont or perhaps just someone you enjoyed? I'm very fond of Adelaide. <laughs> I like I, actually. I like all. I like all the scary ladies. <laughs> <laughs> you know the ones that they, they sort of they come at you in disguise. You're not quite. You're you you. Is this a nice old lady? Is she going to? <laughs> is she going to stab me in the eye while I sleep? I, I can't tell. That's a very nice scone, madam. You know, it's that those ambivalent characters are always really intriguing. And I just and I like imagining you know the separating underbelly of this world. And uh, I grew up in a tiny village in the Cotswolds, so I can sort of imagine those sort of tiny, small town values. I know that, you know, where I grew up, if you came from four miles over, it's like, yes, well, she's no better than she ought to be. She comes from Hawkesbury. Mm. Um, uh, so, you know, that very small town mentality that can be the cover for many strange things is, is always, always really appealing. So I suppose the other character is the character of Cruxmont itself. I feel like Supperating Underbelly is going to be my band name. <laughs> that is a, oh, wow. <laughs> Give it up for the Supperating Underbelly. Wow. <laughs> that is a great <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think actually, again, from a listener point of view, the, the town of Cruxmont itself does have a very distinct identity and um, mm. it reminds me a lot of the Wicker Man in terms of mm. everybody on the surface is jolly nice mm -hmm. but underneath they're all part of this massive fungal network of creepy dead people. <laughs> very, <laughs> very nice. Yeah, but still very nice. And I think that was, um, the ending is rather lovely. Everyone sort of just pops off and has a has a happy old time and um, that's quite nice in, especially in horror podcasting we don't get a lot of that do yeah. we? <laughs> Everybody lives yeah. beyond even when they may want yeah. to live yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll gloss over the parts the, the mounds of body parts yeah. but. So, so you know also you know big props out in terms of the writing you've really created a world here where we can 
I think there's a lot of philosophical thinking mm. as well about how long do you want to live? Yes. Mm. And what are you willing to trade for what? You know, as we have more and more people with far too much money trying to work out how they can live indefinitely. It's quite an interesting philosophical conversation. But then I think horror and speculative fiction, all those things, are their fantastic genre for thinking about the world and having those... Um, but it's also exploring difficult themes and, yeah. and, and you're never going to have a fun time discussing the idea of dementia and losing your identity and your memories yeah. um, and mystery and horror and, and thrillers like this. They are an ideal genre for going into that kind of how difficult would that person place. feel because yeah. you also juxtap the juxtaposition of Gwen's kind of condition against what's happening in Cruxmont. It's a good stage for her to play out all those feelings. Mm -hmm. um, you know, rather than just following a, a doctor as she loses her capabilities, she's also uncovering a giant mystery. And I think that's that's the brilliant thing about genre writing in, in general, just exploring difficult themes. I, I, yes, and I love I love the idea of somebody with all these medical skills, you know, healer, heal thyself, that sort mm. of, um, how you deal with that mm. stuff. But also the idea of holding on to medical research when it could help other people. Yeah. Yeah, the range of motion in this script is actually pretty wild. There's a lot of themes that go through that I'm I found myself when I first started reading the script crying a couple times where I'm like, wow, this is like whatever's happening in this town feels so real to me that even as I'm reading just through it, I'm like, I'm being sucked in. So it like really colored everything prior to coming to record today. It's just again, I've been working with Travis and Caitlin for a long time and Caitlin, you just keep getting better and better. And it's just mm -hmm. I I just I feel very fortunate to continue to work with you guys, for sure. It's, uh, it's incredible. <laughs> and you flew in at ridiculous hours to get here thank to the you. production. And, thank you. And thank you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's I was, okay. I was going to say, for the benefit of the listeners, Daniel flew in on a 12-hour airplane flight, as opposed to a different kind, and <laughs> travelled well, across London, rocked yes, up got, to the studio. Got was, it, was it Gatwick or Heathrow? Something like Heathrow, that. Heathrow. At Heathrow at 6.30 in the morning. Trained his way in, got yeah. to the studio, and then did like a nine-hour day in the recording studio yeah. with no sleep Let's go. All. And then came <laughs> with us to the pub yeah, afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stayed up until the early hours. I actually, yeah. then I went home, or home, I went to the B&B, &B and I... I so I also play music on the side and I had a recording of a song that I had been writing before uh, I left home, which is basically about like this journey that I'm doing and played that until like, I don't know, like 1130 midnight or something <laughs> and then passed out, slept 10 hours and then was like, let's do it again. <laughs> super fun, super fun. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> if Very. not a little mad. Yes. Very mad, I will say. <laughs> so, so David, what was your experience like? I know you've done like live shows and stuff, um, worked with the people, but you were literally all of Cruxmont these last two days. And hey, we didn't kill you this time. <laughs> yes, you didn't kill me. That, that's very kind of you, Caitlin. Thank you very much. Uh, for, for the listeners at home, I'm usually killed by Caitlin in horrible ways. Uh, so I'm very happy that I avoided that this time. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to, to just be standing in for they, all the other characters. It's, it's given me a bit more of a, a unique insight of... of how how everything works it's just been a lot of fun it's been so just so lovely to be in a room with people again <laughs> i think that that's really the main thing somebody let you out of your house exactly yes <laughs>
I don't usually get allowed out. No, Travis would love to be there, by the way, but because yeah. we're yes, still waiting we know. on our visas, we still can't leave Germany. We, we would have loved to have have you both here. That would have been amazing. It would. Sure. Um, Nonetheless, we really wanted to say thank you to all of you um, for making this show possible. Don't mind Crux Month has been an amazing experience for all of us. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I need to mention. Caitlin? We're incredibly lucky, always. Yes. So are we. Yes, Congrats on your script, though, Caitlin, as well, really. Thank you, you just, very much. You've woven so many amazing strands together. It's it's a terrific, what would you say, writing tapestry. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, thank you all so much for joining us as we have gone through the adventure recording and creating Don't Mind Cruxmont. It's been a pleasure working with all of you. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is a wrap. Um, so thank you again a million times over from Caitlin and myself. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you. there. This is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.